0: Is anyone happy the Chiefs are playing in the Super Bowl next Sunday? I want you to turn to the person next to you or behind you and say who you think is going to win the game next week. Just let them know. Tell them know who you, who you think is going to win. If you're watching online, eFam, we love you guys. Let us know in the chat. Who do you think? Chiefs or Eagles? Who are you picking? We just need to know who we need to pray for, the doubters that need to increase their faith. We're going to be praying for you all this week. Well, hey, next Sunday, we have a special Sunday for Super Bowl Sunday. We're calling it Super Sunday, and we're doing something that we've actually never done before. So we're gonna have the lobby, decorated football tailgate style. We're gonna have a photo op so you can uh, take an amazing photo. Uh, we're gonna have some uh, giveaways and, uh, and freebies for the kiddos. And in here, we are going to do something that's called 30-second theology. Now, for us, the best part of the Super Bowl is watching Mahomes win his second Super Bowl and maybe another MVP, you know, all, all the stuff that, <laughs> that he gets as the GOAT. Uh, but for a lot of people, the best part Part of the Super Bowl is the commercials, right? Uh, a, a good uh, Super Bowl is full of commercials that make you laugh, some commercials that make you cry. You're like, wait a second, people cry during commercials? Yes. Just watch with my mom. You will see someone <laughs> that will cry during the It was the little kid and then the grandparent. Yeah, we, 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 all, we all saw it. <laughs> And so what we're doing is we're going to watch Super Bowl commercials, and we're going to pull out spiritual truths from them, much like Jesus taught with parables. And I want to give you a sneak peek of what's coming next Sunday, so take a look. It's the biggest weekend of the year. Millions of people will huddle around their screens to experience the world's greatest commercials. 30-second theology. It's Big ads with Bigger Truth. This is gonna be some of the most fun that you've ever had at church. Uh, It's gonna inspire your faith. It's gonna encourage you on uh, your walk with God. And really, I think it's gonna help you know Jesus uh, better because uh, there's something special about it. And if you're thinking, this kind of seems like at the movies, it is kind of like at the movies. Uh, But it's one week special, and we hope that you're here for it. It's also a great week to bring a friend. So if you have someone that you maybe invited to church, like, what's a good week to invite a friend? Uh, Next week, Super Sunday, we're all gonna have our Chiefs Red on Uh, We're going to have a lot of fun, and so it's a great week to invite a friend. So uh, just uh, be thinking about who you can invite and pray, and God will probably give you that name, open up that opportunity, uh, and it's going to be a a special week uh, next Sunday for Super Sunday. Well, if you're here at the 9.30 and you're thinking... I wish I had a little bit more room, a little bit more elbow room, then I have good news for you. We got two other services. And so if Family Church is your church home and you're thinking, man, I wish I had a little bit more elbow room, come to the eight o'clock or come to the 11. And if you love the jam-packed room, then keep coming to the 930. I love a jam-packed room, so I'm good either way. But I'm telling you, if you want a little bit more room, we got two other services for you uh, that are options uh, for you. All right, well, let's go ahead and start the message today. The message today is called How to Trust God When Life is Hard. How to Trust God when life is hard. This is a heavy topic because it's one that I think um, is so challenging for many of us. We're gonna start in Luke chapter seven, Luke chapter seven, verse 18. It says this, the disciples of John the Baptist told John about everything Jesus was doing. So John called two of his disciples and he sent them to the Lord to ask him, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? Now, John is in prison. He's in prison wrongfully. And he hears the stories about what Jesus has just done. Jesus has just healed the sick. He's opened up blind eyes. He's raised people from the dead. And John the Baptist is sitting in a prison cell, sitting in chains. And he's thinking, my life isn't supposed to go this way. He feels stuck. He feels frustrated. He feels angry. He feels betrayed. And so he's like, all right, go straight to Jesus I'm putting Jesus on the spot because I need to know. And he asked Jesus this question. Verse 20, John's two disciples found Jesus and said to him, John the Baptist sent us to ask, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, illnesses and evil spirits. And he restored sight to many who were blind. This is what Jesus does. If you're like, what, is, what was Jesus really about? This is what he was, everywhere he went, this is what he was doing. And he wants to do the same thing today. This is what Jesus is about. Then he he told John's disciples, go back to John and tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. Then he added this, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. One translation said, God blesses those who are not offended by me. Jesus was leaning in to a very difficult truth for us humans on earth to understand. And that truth is that there are going to be times where Jesus is not going to do what we think he should do. And Jesus said, those those moments, those difficult moments, those circumstances, that when you are in the middle of that fire... You're going to be blessed if you don't fall away because of me. You're going to be blessed if you're not offended because of me. We need prayer for this one. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for these minutes and moments that we share. And Father, I just pray for everyone under the sound of my voice, Lord, that you will step in and that you will give us ears to hear, that you will lead us and speak to us what you have for us. And Lord, in whatever fresh way you want to change us or help us to apply your truth or lead us in your life, Lord, we say, We say, lead us and have your way. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You ever been betrayed by someone? Ever been hurt by someone close to you? You know, oftentimes it is those closest to us that we feel betrayed by. Did you know you can feel betrayed by someone when they didn't even really betray you, but the feeling that you have in unsighted is betrayal? Last night I went to the daddy-daughter dance with my three daughters. I got a third grader, a first grader, and a preschooler. And so when the uh, paper came home from school a few weeks ago, immediately before they even got in the car, right, I'm picking them up at Car Loop. I hear them saying before they even get in the car, Dad, guess what's in our backpack? Dad, guess what's in our backpack? They got the paper, the flyer, the sign-up registration form for the daddy-daughter date night. So immediately as we get home, usually I have to ask them, pull out your backpack, what did you do today? Let's talk about your school day. This day, no, I didn't even ask them, right? They're emptying their backpack because they're giving me the form because they want me to sign them up for the daddy-daughter date night. So they've been looking forward to this day for weeks and they're coming to me yesterday as they're getting ready. They're like, daddy, do I look pretty? Daddy, do you wanna watch me dance? Daddy, do you wanna take a picture? So they're right there next to me. They're looking forward to this day. So we go to the daddy-daughter date night and we get checked in and we get our party favors and we find our place at our table and we have dinner and we're, we're close together, right? We post for our picture, we have our picture together. We're close, quality time. I have, have a close relationship with all my... I, w- I was a workaholic before I started having kids, and I've made some conscious decisions to, to be around. And my girls know I, I, I'm, I'm not a perfect dad at all, but I'm around a lot. I'm, I'm around a lot, so we get a lot of time with my kids. And then, after the dinner, right, we move to the tables, we get the dance floor ready, the lights drop, the beat drops, the music comes on, and you know what my three girls did? They scattered to go and dance with their friends. And I'm left alone on the side of the wall with the other dads <laughs> looking at the clock to see how much longer we have. To tell. The lights come back on and it's closing time to go home. Betrayal, it's done deep. <laughs> now that's a, a little bit of a facetious story, but truly uh, betrayal is usually by those closest to us. And betrayal usually hurts a lot more than that moment hurt. Because those closest to us have the capacity to wound us Pretty, pretty deeply, pretty greatly. If you, if you grew up in my generation or if you just listen to <laughs> contemporary pop music, you may have heard Cheryl Crow say, the first cut is the deepest. Now, I don't know about that, but I will say this, that the, those closest to you can cut you the deepest. And John the Baptist feels betrayed by Jesus. John the Baptist feels hurt by Jesus. We have to keep in mind a little bit of context. John's mom and Jesus's mom were cousins. They lived together for a number of months when they were pregnant. So all of John's childhood, he grew up hearing stories of the miraculous birth of Jesus. He knew about Jesus. Now, whether or not they grew up and whether they were childhood friends, we don't know exactly, but we know that there was certainly a close relationship there. As they get older, around 30, we know that John has a ministry. He's preaching. He's proclaiming the gospel. And when John's message is, you know what John's message is when he's speaking to the people? His message is always about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. All of John's teachings, his whole life is about, he is preparing the way for the one that is coming. He is always pointing to Jesus. And then, of course, the story at the Jordan River. Jesus walks out to the Jordan River where John is baptizing people. And John looks at him and says, behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. And Jesus comes to John and and John says, I'm not even worthy to, to, to untie your sandals. But Jesus says, I need you. I want you to baptize me. So John baptizes Jesus. And when he baptized Jesus, the heavens opened up and a dove descended. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Did John know who Jesus was? Yeah, he knew who Jesus was. He knew who Jesus was. It's only a matter of months later and John is in prison and the doubts have crept in. And he's shook. He's shook. And while he, did he have a firm foundation? I would say, yeah, he had a firm foundation. But all of a sudden, his circumstances were rocky. And he's got chains on his wrists and on his ankles. And he's looking at a jail cell. And he's hearing the stories of Jesus raising people from the dead and healing blind eyes. And he's thinking, wait a second. Why am I here? I don't deserve to be here. This isn't where I'm supposed to be. Have you you ever had a moment in life where your circumstances in front of you don't match up with the dreams and desires inside of you? And you know what makes it harder? When those dreams and desires are from God and you feel like, well, man, this is God's will and I I, I, I know this is what God has for me. I I feel like I'm being led. I feel like I did the right. Sometimes we say, okay, I'm a Christian. I'm gonna do A and B and God is gonna do C. Oof. That's me. Do you know that's a a tough place to be? You know, one of the biggest deceptions in the United States today, uh, Paul told us that if people don't see the goodness of Jesus, if people don't put their faith in Jesus, uh, if they don't experience eternal life, it's often because their mind has been blinded. They believe something that's a lie. One of the biggest lies that people in the United States believe today is they say, they see something evil, they see some injustice, they see something wrong in the world, and they say, man, if God is good, then how did this happen? If God is good, then why did this happen? And they come to the wrong conclusion that, well, God must not really be good, or God must not really be powerful, otherwise he this wouldn't have happened. And this becomes a, becomes a stronghold in the mind of so many. And, and, and here's the truth, if you don't believe that God is good, you'll miss out. You will. If you don't believe that God is good, you will never, you'll never get there. You will never put your trust in him. You'll never put your full faith on him. You'll never step into the, the abundant life that he has for us. If, you, if you're stuck by that hurdle, man, if God is good, then why did this happen? And it becomes a barrier for so many. I'm just not sure if God is good. So what do you do? What do you do when you're in that place where you're trusting, you're, you, you want to trust God, but it's hard. You know, the, the truth is this, that I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you three points, but these three points are not self-help that are just like a magic A, B, and C, because when you experience God's grace, it's, it's God's grace that's going to, to save you and then sustain you. See, some of you know God's saving grace, but you don't know God's sustaining grace. And you need to fully experience God's sustaining grace through this adversity, through this trial, through these circumstances. And when you do, you're gonna come out on the other side and you're going to know him more. But it's not gonna be your willpower. It's not gonna be your three-step program that got you there. It's gonna be God's grace. But there are three things from scripture that we can look at to help us put some practical handles on it. And the first thing that we can do when we are trying to trust God, but it's hard, is that we can take it to God. We can take it to God. And by it, I mean everything. We can take everything to God. And we see John do this because John hears that Jesus is performing miracles and he feels stuck. And he says, I'm going straight to Jesus. I'm, I'm putting Jesus on the spot. So I want you to go to Jesus and I want you to ask him, are you the one or should we expect someone else? Now, if I was Jesus, and I'm, Jesus probably doesn't get offended like I do, but if I was Jesus, wouldn't you be able to be like, Really? I just raised someone from the dead. And you're gonna be like, are you the one or should we expect someone else? It's a challenging question. But John's, I'm taking it, I'm taking it straight because I gotta know. We can take it straight to God and God can handle your questions. Here, here's the thing, God can handle your doubts. God can handle your questions. God can handle your anger. God can handle your frustration. Whatever you got, if you give, I try, he can handle it. He can handle it. Are you the one or should we look for someone else? God, are you really there, God? Are you really there because I'm not seeing it? It's the same question. It's the same question. God can handle it. I have a proposal today that I want you to chew on for just a second, and it's this. What if the challenging circumstances were actually an invitation to a deeper level of faith? a closer relationship than you've ever had or imagined with God? What if the adversity, the hard times, the pain, the suffering, the injustice, the questions, the feelings stuck, what if it was an invitation to experience God's love, his peace, his grace at a deeper level than you've ever experienced before? The reality is, you know, oftentimes when we're angry at God, it's people that let us down, not God. There's, 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 there's millions of people that are, that are sitting at home today not going to church because the church person hurt them, and God had nothing to do with that. And sometimes we have this misguided anger. We have this misguided sense of injustice, and, and we, we blame something for God that God had nothing to do with. It's the actions of fallen sinful humans that have free will that made an evil choice, that made a hurtful choice, and we blame that on God, and, and the reality is that's not God's fault, but the, you, know how, you, know, you know the beautiful thing about it, though? You can still bring that to God, and when you open it up and surrender, God still brings healing. God still brings freedom in a beautiful way. He, can come for, he, 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 he comes through for you in a way that's usually not how you expect him. And he comes through John the Baptist in a way that John didn't expect either. And I'm going to show you here in just a minute. Number one, we can take it to God. Number two, we need to talk with a close friend. We need to talk with a close friend. You need to have someone in your life that you can confide in. And this is where I, I will admit that sometimes in this specific area, the church has missed it. Because uh, the church sometimes has shared a sentiment that says like, you just got to have faith over feelings. You just got to suck it up and, and get over that and, and have faith. But I mean, can't you see that? The, and, and what we're doing is we're undermining and we're ignoring all of these human emotions that we feel. And I'm not suggesting that we should completely rely on our, feel, that rely on our feelings because we know that our feelings are fickle. But we are all, also all human And the human emotion is part of our human experience on planet earth. And if you read through scripture, you know what scripture shows us about human emotions? Is that it's healthy to express it. Look at King David in the Psalms. You will see verse after verse of King David in the Psalms and King David shows anger. He shows heartbreak. He shows loneliness. He shows vengeance. Look how many times King David prays for the teeth of his enemies to be punched in. Look how many times Jesus, or David, prays to God, and he thanks God for crushing his enemies. Now, can we show up at group, in our small group, and can we tell our group, I just want to go and hammer my boss right in the mouth. I just hope my boss gets sick, gets food poisoning, and is out for a whole week. Right? You show up to group and you start talking like this, the people are going to be like, uh, uh. Right in, in Christian circles, we sometimes we have to we have to cut cut back on our emotions because we're not supposed to feel. Well, that's not scriptural. The Bible brings all those emotions, brings all those emotions. That's part of the healing process, and God can handle it. God already knows those feelings. Sometimes we're the ones that ignore it and suppress it. Now. I'm not saying that you stay there in your feelings and you just sit in your feelings because that's not healthy healthy either. But the Bible tells us that when we are stuck in a pit, that God picks us up out of the muck and mire and sets us on a rock. And sometimes we're stuck down in a pit of our feelings and we're just loathing in it and we we can express, and God's gonna pick us up. He's gonna put us on a rock. That's what God does for us. But oftentimes, God always uses his people. And that's why you need to be in a group. That's why you need to be with a a close, trusted friend that you can confide in, that you can talk to. Maybe it's not everyone in your group, but maybe that's that one person in your your group that you connect with and that you can have that heart-to-heart with and that you can pray together. He doesn't just leave there. He picks us up. He heals us. He changes us. He transforms us. So talk with with a close friend and confide in a trusted loved one. And then number three, as we look at the cross. We look at the cross. Having perspective in our pain is really hard. It's very difficult to have perspective when you're in pain. I, I, have you ever shut your fingers in the door? If you shut your fingers in the door, you're not thinking about if Mahomes' ankle is really healthy or not. Right? You're not thinking about, I need to try that new $2 burrito at Taco Bell just to see if it's good or not. You're thinking about those the fingers that are right in front of your face because there's an element of pain that's selfish and we're only focused on our hand and it clouds the situation around us so we don't think clearly because we're in so much pain. You know how you get clear perspective? You look at the cross. John the Baptist didn't have clear perspective. Now he didn't have the ability to look at the cross because it hadn't happened yet, but I promise you there came a point right after John had passed and he saw the cross. You know what John had? ah, I I get it now. I didn't get it when I was in prison. I I didn't see it. But on the, sometimes that hindsight, he sees clearly. The cross can give us perspective. And when I say the cross can give us perspective, I don't want us to skip to what happens after the cross. Sometimes we skip to the empty tomb and the resurrection and the victory over death because that's super important. But sometimes it's the suffering on the cross that, can give us that perspective. You know, Romans eight seventeen says, if you suffer, if you participate in my sufferings, you will also share in my glory. And we don't wanna hear that because we don't wanna share in Jesus's sufferings, but we, we wanna share in his glory. When we think about Jesus on the cross, you know what Jesus was praying right before he went to the cross? Did you know that Jesus was praying not to go to the cross? Did you know Jesus has unanswered prayers? You ever thought about that? Jesus had unanswered prayers. I'll tell you two. One, Jesus prayed three times for the church to be unified. Is the church unified? They got more denominations than I can count. They got churches that fight each other all the time. Jesus knows the struggle of unanswered prayer. Don't let unanswered prayer keep you from, from God. You know what the other prayer was that was unanswered? Jesus said, let this cup, cup of suffering pass from me. He didn't want to go to the cross. He's bleeding, right? He's sweating drops of blood because he knows the suffering that's in front of me. He said, God, please let this cup of suffering pass if there's any other way. But he also finished it with not my will, but your will be done. When we're in the storm, can we add that to our prayer? God has no problem with you praying the storm away. But what if you need to add, not my will, but your will be done in this storm? For the joy set before him. How did Jesus, and how did he take all that pain? What was on his mind when through all that pain and suffering and his execution? It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He was thinking the joy of, of relationship with you and me. What's on your mind when you're going through that suffering? Is there a way that you can fix your eyes on the joy that's ahead of you in the future? I don't know if it's next week, next month. I don't know how far the joy is from you. The Bible tells joy comes in the morning. There, there is joy on the other side. And I know if it's not the end, then, well, I know we win in the end, I know that. If you're following Jesus, you win in the end. You know that, right? We may enjoy God on the mountaintops, his presence in the good times, but we get to know him intimately in the valleys. I want to tell you the story, share the story of Derek and Jessica Couch. They're sitting right up here, wonderful members of our family. Derek is a small business owner and 2022 was a, was a hard year for the Couch family. Derek was sick and uh, it happened last summer and they couldn't figure out what was wrong. For 11 days, he was in one hospital and then he was in another hospital. They could not figure out what was wrong. They were trying to diagnose it. They ran test after test. They thought it was this, and they, no, that's the wrong diagnosis. The medicine's not working. Let's go back and keep testing to try to figure out what this sickness is, what this illness is. In 11 days in a hospital, when you're not eating, when you can hardly keep anything down, when you got a fever of 103, when you're in constant pain and agony, 11 days is, that's a long time and you don't know what medicine to take, you don't know what procedure to look at because you don't even know what the sickness is. And Derek would tell you, you know, as a small business owner, he's got work to do, he's got bids, he's got jobs, and you can imagine that that would be a a weight, that that would mess with uh, your peace. That's a storm, that's a storm. Derek said there was two or three days where I, I didn't know if I was gonna make it. He, was, he, he felt like he was looking death in the face. There was no medicine that was working. There was no diagnosis that they could solve and, and figure out. This is what Derek shared of his story. There have been times in my walk with Christ that I have questioned why me or why now? While, while I was in the hospital, I prayed for a miracle healing every day. I never once asked why. Even though I wasn't sure if I had another day to live, God brought an unbelievable amount of calmness and peace over me. Now, looking back at that, it still amazes me that not only did he give me that miracle healing, he gave me a forever resounding peace, knowing that I can face anything with him by my side. He got to experience God's peace at a level he had never experienced before. Pain and suffering, they're an opportunity to know God at a deeper level. And Derek would tell you that God brings healing, that God brings transformation, that God brings hope, that God brings so much joy. Sometimes he, he even uses hard times to, to do it. For 31 days, he was sick. 31 days missing work. So many days, Jessica was right there at the hospital trying to find you know, people to help take care of the kids. That was a storm but they came out on the other side, knowing the peace of God at a level that they never knew it before. That's what God wants to do in each one of us. I'm not saying God wants to bring a storm like that into your life, but I'm saying God does want you to, to know his peace more at a deeper level than maybe we do right now. And the truth is this, if you, some of the people that you respect the most, it's because they got such a powerful story of strength through the circumstances, the storm that they went through. You know, the story of Jesus and John the Baptist, Jesus told John a secret message that I, I recently, I saw in scripture and once you see something in scripture, you can't unsee it. And I wanna share this with you because man, I think it's powerful. Luke 7:22. We read this at the beginning. He told John's disciples, go back to John and tell him what you have seen, that the blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is preached to the poor. Jesus had said this before in Luke chapter four. He's actually quoting the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, the prophecy about what the Messiah would come to do. So if we read a couple verses in Luke chapter four, Luke 4, 16 says, when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, his hometown, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath because Jesus went to church every week. And he stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed down to him. He unrolled the scroll and he found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, that the time of the Lord's favor has come. John knew these words. John knew the prophet Isaiah. Did you notice what Jesus left out? put the scripture back up. Did you notice what Jesus left out? What he told John? What part did he not tell John? Proclaim that the cat, he didn't tell John that. So when John hear these words of Jesus, you know what John realizes? Not getting out. It's not, it's not happening for me the way I thought it should. Now, I don't know why Jesus did that, but I know this, there are some things that won't ever make sense to us until we get to heaven. There's just some things that we won't fully understand until we get to heaven. I wanna share this quote with you. I can relate to this, I've, I've done this before, I've lived this. It says, we can run our emotions ragged, trying to make sense of things that aren't ever gonna make sense where we can ask Jesus to show us how to move forward today and to trust him. You ever done that? Ever let your emotions run yourself ragged? Trying to make sense of why someone said something, of why someone did something, of why this happened to you? And it's never gonna make sense. But it is an invitation to invite Jesus into that, to know Jesus at a level that you've never known him before. My last point is maybe, my, maybe the most important for you. I want to look at Jesus' response to John's death because John is killed in prison. He's executed. His head's chopped off probably a month after this. We don't know how long exactly. And I want to look at Jesus' response to when John, when he finds out that John's head has been chopped off. This is what Jesus does. Matthew 14, verse 13. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and he followed on foot from many towns. You know what Jesus wants to do? He just wanted to be alone because his friend, his cousin, had just been murdered. You ever ever wanna do that? You ever just wanna crawl in a hole, put the weighted blanket over your head, forget about the world for a little while? Jesus just wanted to be alone. But look at what he does. Verse 14, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he did what? He had compassion on them and he healed their sick. Sometimes we're looking down at our pain and our circumstances and why God and and God wants you to look up and have compassion on the hurting people in front of you and find a way to serve them. Jesus found purpose in his pain and that's the exact same thing that God wants to do in you and me. The pain that we have, it's not, you can't compare our pain, you can't compare our circumstances. It's, it looks different for each one of us, but Jesus wants to take that pain and bring purpose into it. Have you ever looked at a, situ- ever looked at a situation in your life and it's like, like ashes, like it's all burnt, like it's all torched, like it's done? Can anything beautiful come from ashes? Jesus can make something beautiful from ashes. He's the only one who can, and it's what he does best. So while you're looking at, God, how are you gonna come through? Man, if you trust him with it, you can look back at the freedom, at the healing, at the redemptive transformative work that he does inside of you, and say, man, I know there's a lot of other people that are going through something that I went through, and I just wanna serve him, I just wanna help him. I just want him to have some of the comfort that, that I've received. Because once you know God at that level, there's no going back. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice. Lord, you know what we were facing. You know our stories. You know our hardships. You know the trouble that's in front of us. And Lord, I pray that you will bring peace to the troubled. I will pray that you will bring help to the hurting. And Lord, in whatever way that we need to trust you, in whatever way that we need to invite you into our circumstances, Lord, let us accept that invitation to know you at a deeper level. May your sustaining gates bring us through and let us experience your peace in a way that we never have before. And maybe it's not this season, maybe it's next season. Whenever that storm comes, let us have that firm foundation that we will trust in you. We will choose to trust in you. Father, I pray for anyone in here that, They want that firm foundation. They want to make a decision that no matter what, Jesus, I'm with you. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised from the dead, you will be saved. You can begin that relationship. If you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us. So, right where you're at, you can make that decision. Just say, Jesus, I'm sorry, I've sinned, I've messed up. But I declare that you are Lord. I wanna follow after you. That prayer right there, it's as simple as that. It's the beginning of a relationship with him. We grow in it each and every day.